The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one day. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. And we are the cantrip. What? The cantrip cartel? What are you doing, Jake? Start the shit over again. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Doing well. Uh, got my day off like normal. Uh, put together a desk that uh, my buddy Derek from the Family Gathering Podcast kind of put together for me, the desktop, and then I ordered some legs and put them on. Got that going, so my my computer setup is far more physically comfortable now. Um we need the, to get you a new chair still, don't we? Yeah, it's the chairs. Something must be bent on. I feel yeah. bad. I kind of bought you like I well, kind of nice chair, and uh, something must be bent underneath it that it, it just leans forward. Not only does it lean forward, but it also now doesn't stay. Like if I elevate it to the top height, it just slowly like yeah. ticks down. It must have a leak in the cylinder. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world. It's still a comfortable chair, but if um, it's if your last chair has anything to go by, you'll replace it in the next six years. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's literally falling apart. When one of the arms is gone and the <laughs> two of the wheels are gone yeah. and all the stuffing is out of the back. Hey, it still works. It, <laughs> it does still It is a surface hold. for me to sit on. It still holds your butt. That's just kind of how I roll. My phone is six years old at this I point. Know. Well, it'll be six years old in August. Get a new phone. I might. Yes. <laughs> Get a new phone. <laughs> I, you'll hate answering the phone. Sorry, you will hate answering the phone less when you get a new one because it's nice. It's nice handling a nice phone. I know, but eh. anywho, um, as far as my time off go, goes outside of the desks, been playing a lot of Satisfactory. Uh, I set up like a third party server, so it's always running. And we've I've got a <laughs> buddy of mine from Seattle. We've been playing that. Yeah. You hopped on a little bit too. Yeah, Matt got me the i the IP address. Oh my gosh, I should post it for everyone <laughs> just no. on the internet. <laughs> uh, but he gave me the IP for it, and so I got on, and he was asleep. So I like they have like eight bases set up, like eight like legitimate areas set up, and so I kind of wandered to one. Found some stuff I kind of wandered to another one, got some more stuff, and was like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yep. Log out. <laughs> well, I don't know if you could still do it, but one of the things I thought about doing, I, I should have mentioned it to you before you started. What you should have done is started in a different area because it's the same map and the difficulty, so to speak, is just put you in a different spot as oh, your starting location. Really? That's all that is. So you could have started in like the forest or the desert or something. It and did, then it did not give me the option. It didn't. Nope. Gotcha. It just. When I, when oh, I, it probably did it when I started. That created the spawn point. Yeah. Then when I added your server, it just threw me in a spot. Gotcha. But I didn't know that. So it's one world. Yeah, it's, it's one world. Oh, yeah. Nice. And it's just the difficulty. So if you spawn in the desert or whatever, you don't have super easy access to uh, early resources, mm -hmm. and then the enemies are harder. Yep. But that's the only d difficulty but setting be, they give you. So going forward, then it'd probably better for us to start like in the middle, like the middle tiers, because then you would start where the higher tier resources are closer. Yeah. And we already get the gist of it. I know how to go find the crap I need and get it where I need it to be. Yep. So, um, and like we talked about, we're going to, what Ryan and I had done is basically set up small little factories around resource nodes to make specific stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the plan is to like 
along with your health. Centralize it. Have one giant yeah. storage unit that like holds everything and sorts everything. Yep. That's basically and then we can some... ship it across the world. That's gonna be my job. I need to get on there and start tooling around. But I want to make like a central. St- I want to make like a central storage hub, and and then build a railway so it'll go around to gather all the resources, bring them to a, a, a centralized location, and have it set up so that we could wire in. Um, conveyor belts to distribute to other places if we need yeah. to yep well and we can you can use that same um train hub to disperse the stuff as well yeah. so yeah, we could set up we could set up outflows out of storage containers back into cargo units to then have them go and uh drop off supplies at other factories to produce things yep and that's that's pretty much the way the game is designed to be played um when i first played it if you've been listening for a while i'd played it and like i was playing it and doing what I thought was doing well, and then I had just fundamentally misunderstood the scope of what you're trying to do in this game. So like you, like when you start the game, kind of feel it feels like you're progressing really well when you've just got like one or two little factories that are humming along and you're just making stuff. You need a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like everything you build, you need to build like three to five times bigger than you think you want mm-hmm. it initially. So like when you first start out, you're like, I'm gonna build a coal power plant, and it's like. Well, no, what you actually need to do is build eight coal power plants. Mm, and then, minimum. <laughs> yeah. And so this time I went, I'm going to build 16 coal power yeah. plants. I'm going to build well, 25 fuel generators. The other thing we both did, I think it's a very natural way to play the game, is we centralized everything. And so yeah. when we got a new resource, we would go get it and just pump it in. And we did all of our manufacturing basically mm. on site. Yeah. Whereas uh, under, better understanding the size of the world and what the game kind of entails yeah you're supposed to build shit on on each individual site and then create distribution centers to get stuff just like the real world yeah but yeah it's way but it's way more efficient to just build everything on the particular because you'll find an iron node or a quartz node build the crap there that you can build and then ship it here and then distribute it as needed instead of taking every raw material bring every raw material here and then making one obnoxiously large factory floor where everything's happening and you can never find anything and it takes a, a minute and a half to move across it. Yeah. That was my, like, mine had gotten pretty big. Not not in the grand scheme of things, but, like, from what I had doing. Like, it took, like, you couldn't run all the way through it because there uh-uh. were conveyor belts everywhere. They were laid out fairly well. Like, there wasn't a ton of, the, like, the spaghetti that you hear people talk about. But, like, it was still pretty big. Mm-hmm. And it was, the problem was you get, less and less efficient unless you're perfect at it you get less and less efficient as you go deeper into the building process so like if you for example wanted to make like a second tier product where you take uh iron ingots and you make them into something else and you make that into something else right you can get that pretty well synced up pretty easily Mm -hmm. by the time you're taking iron ingots and everything else and combining them into computers which are not even that deep into the game you've got a whole bunch of inefficiencies that are all compounding yep. into the fact that now your computer factory just isn't doing anything. And it's just hard very to effectively. route everything around the other things. That was why I started really running into problems was just being able to tie the entire factory into itself in a way that just didn't look terrible. Yeah. It's just impossible to yeah. have these things being produced in multiple locations, trying to tie them back into where they need to go and up and over and underneath. And it's a mess. So the idea of... Yeah centralized storage and then individual on-site production to be brought as needed yeah and then on top of all of that there's still the aspect that i haven't even touched which is actually building buildings 
Yeah. Which is a whole other portion of the game that I haven't gotten into. Luckily, that's just cosmetic. It is. It's like 95% cosmetic. There is some use to a lot of the stuff. So, like, I've been trying to put, like, uh, the catwalks over things so I can mm-hmm. actually and try to make it look nice. But it's a, it's a lot easier to access all your power plants if you're just walking on a catwalk and you yep. can reach them and whatnot. Stuff like that. But, like, the actual buildings, I just, uh, the first time I played it, I didn't look at anything. I was going in completely, no guides, nothing. This time I'm allowing myself to use a little bit of a a few resources. I'm not like just looking up ways to build like huge plants or anything, but just trying to figure out how to make stuff a little more efficient. And you just, if you just hop on YouTube, the factories people build or the stuff you see on Reddit, you're just like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Like I have zero chance of making anything that cool looking. Yeah. (laughs) Like... (laughs) But it's you a, can make some very impressive in, looking stuff. In fairness, YouTube is a rough bar to hit because there are people in Minecraft that make computers in YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> or sorry, in uh, computers in Minecraft. Well, yeah, and that's that's one of the things you always have to keep in mind, especially if all you do is just go in and like, if you go in and type in Satisfactory Factory in YouTube, like you're going to get the best guy. Mm-hmm. So of course your stuff isn't going to look as good as the guy who has 5,000 hours in this game. Like, duh. Yeah. Now he may be a good person to learn from, but comparing yourself to him is not a productive exercise. Yep. So, yeah, I've just been having a ton of fun with that, just playing it as much as I can while not neglecting my other, you know, responsibilities. Mm. So, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Satisfactory. How about uh, you? I did my last regular day at the barn on Friday. So I've been talking with Nadia about tuning back, kind of pulling back a little bit. I've been getting a little burned out, been tired. And so I basically put a two weeks in where I'm going to be. Uh, afterwards, I will be you know, like on call, but as my last like regular Friday. So I, to, I, I went in, I worked Sam, we had a good workout. She did great. And then the day before, actually I'd gone through and I, uh, detangled her mane. So I put like hairspray in it and detangler and spent probably 20, 30 minutes brushing it out. Uh, I don't think I cut any of the knots out of her mane because you, I don't want to cut her hair if I don't have to. So just working, just working on undoing rat's nests of hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she's probably, two years old and she's never had her hair brushed. Yeah. So just getting all that undone, which it looks great now. I, I think I put a picture up for, or I put a video up for the Patreons to see just how good she looks. It looks amazing. And so Friday I started on her tail, which obviously is scary because she might kill me. Yep. <laughs> she won't kill me, but she'll kick. She might kick me. Uh, that's doing the mains a good place to start. Cause it's a relatively safe thing to do. And it's also like, it's a good way to judge how she's going to feel about it. Cause I am just going to be standing next to her for like 20 minutes. So she kind of has to be okay with that. It's I'm going to be like pulling on stuff and pulling on her hair. Yeah, and I mean knots hurt. Yeah, well, not to horses. They don't? No. Yeah. Um. So when I used to ride bareback, you can hold on to the mane like as a handle. You could you could hang off their mane. Uh, Their hair just isn't like ours. It <laughs> does not hurt to pull their hair out. Fair enough. When, uh, when uh, we used to do DNA testing for racehorses, we used to do racehorses at the old barn my mom and I had. The way you would do DNA testing is you would like take a, a wrench or a pen, you'd wrap some hair around it, and you just like slowly rip that hunk of hair out, hmm. and they just stand there. Like the cool thing, about, like horses tell you when stuff hurts. There's yeah. horses don't like <laughs> grit through things; they don't care. Yeah, you can you can yank on I hair all day long. Didn't know that. That's yep. So I worked all that out, and uh, since she was okay with that, I decided to work on her tail. Now I haven't put the video up yet for our patrons. Her tail was a dread. It was a single dread, uh, and I did the best I could. I worked on it for probably 40 minutes. I got back to work pretty late, actually. I lost track of time. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt bad about that, but... Hey, whatever. 
uh, I worked and worked and worked, and I eventually had to cut half of it off. And I, I have a picture of, I'll show Matt, but it was about probably six to eight inches of just a solid tube of hair that I couldn't get out. And then the rest of it I was able to brush out and detangle and left her with like two thirds to three quarters of what like a horse's tail is. Mm-hmm. So like she, it looks fine. doesn't look like hilarious, but that was my last little like going away gift to Sam. She'll still get tons of work. They, there's a trainer on site that'll be working or Nadia will be working her. But that was my last little like regular thing to do for her was I got her mane back and I got her tail back for her. So you'll probably be hearing a lot less of me talking about her, unfortunately, but I will still be like in the loop. And if anything crazy happens, Nadia will hit me up and I'll head out and help her. Gotcha. But no more going there after work and working the second job and then coming back and not regularly. And it's really bittersweet. I like doing it, but it's a lot of time. And it's just my current life is not set up to facilitate it, unfortunately. So I'm bummed out that I have to lose that little side project of passion of mine. But it is what it is. And I've got, I mean, it's not like I have tons of other things to do. I have a podcast I run with my best friend. I do this one with Matt. I uh, play magic. (laughs) I'm trying, I'm getting into a Monday Pioneer League at the local card shop, which I'm trying to get Matt to come to buy a deck. Or proxy a deck. We're, we're we very, will talk about why I haven't yet. In we're, uh, we're very pro, we're very pro proxy, yep. and it's really cool. Like we, the first meeting we had last week, we had four people show up, which was enough for a little round robin. And then this week, we had six people, uh, seven people show up. So like we're kind of growing. It'd love to see us. Like if we leveled out at like between like eight and twelve people regularly, that'd be amazing. Come in and do a little mini tournament every week. Have some fun. The people I'm playing with are really cool people. It's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. I've got woodworking I do. I've got blacksmithing I do. And then I own a house. So, like, I have housely chores to do. I have a mow to, uh, yard to mow. I need to go sharpen the blades on my mower. And But instead, I'm recording a podcast with my, my best friend. Second best friend, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. <laughs> but, like, just kind of trimming one thing out of my life for a little while. So, a little bit less of that. Well, and I imagine there's nothing stopping you from going, hey, I have a free night. Do you need any help? Yeah, I could yeah. always swing out. But yeah. it's it's one of those things like the 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 hourglass had flipped on that a little while ago. Nadia has decided to sell her barn and move. Yeah. And so while of course I'm very excited for her to sell her barn and move to the next step of her life, the fact of the matter is like that that barn's going away no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sucks it happens a little earlier for me, but like it was a it's a it's, to say a sinking ship is kind of rude because it's not a it's a wonderful barn. But this was coming to an end anyway. Yeah. So this kind of is what it is. Well, on that lovely note, yeah, I do want to thank our patri or uh, our patron Derek Derek Smith with the Family Gathering podcast, uh, a podcast that is very close to Matt and I's heart because we there. He's a very good, him and Joe are both very good friends of ours. He's been on this podcast several times. He joined our Patreon Patreon, and we really appreciate that, Derek. The other thing I want to mention before we get started is that we are the uh, sister show to the Cantrip Cartel or the. To the Plains Talkers podcast. It's been a long day, guys. <laughs> I think I had heat stroke twice today. Do you need me to take over the plug? I'll do the plug for do you, once. You want to do the plug? Yeah, sure. Hey, guys, uh, sign up for our Patreon. It's over at patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. And uh, we're a proud member of the Plains Talkers podcasting network. Uh, check them out. They record on what? When's their? Monday and Wednesday Monday at 7 and Wednesday p.m. in 7 p.m. Check them out. They're great. At twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers podcast. It's in there. <laughs> and check out their Discord at discord.plainsuckerspodcast. Tag team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did better than I did by a lot. <laughs> well, I've heard you say it 30 times, <laughs> so I have some idea of how it goes. <laughs> well, I think now that that is all out of the way, Matt, 
How is Legacy looking? Uh, depends on when you played. Yeah? So the Sunday challenge doesn't look too bad. No. Um, we had talked about this a few weeks ago where I was uh, bringing up Chalice of the Void and how um, obviously everybody who knows Legacy, Legacy in and outs understand that like Chalice of the Void is a big deck that kind of preys on Delver, but it's kind of been pushed to the wayside with Prismatic Ending. Mm-hmm. So every few weeks we see a big resurgence of Chalice of the Void, yep. and then Blue-Red Delver yeah. takes a hit. Chalice used to be the bane of both Blue-Red Delver, or mostly any uh, Delver variant, and pretty much every Azorius variant control, yeah. because it's a, it's a deck built around cantrips. And turn one Chalice isn't hard to do, and turn two chalice is obviously very easy to do, and yep. it just shuts down a lot of decks. Or it did before we had a what is a two mana flexible answer that's main deckable. Yeah. So the Sunday challenge doesn't look too bad, uh, and obviously we'll go over that. That's the one we do every week. The Saturday challenge is the one that uh, apparently people did not show up to beat Delver, <laughs> <laughs> which kind to be fair kind of makes sense that you know it's the one that happens first, and Delver just is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday everybody brings out their uh, Delver beaters. So. Um, Saturday, I think Delver, Blue Red Delver was like twenty eight percent of the meta. So oh, so normal. Yeah. So as far as Sunday goes, we've got Killa SUV bringing it home with Jeskai Control. Um, this is one of the uh, hey guys days come, undoing variants. Come play Legacy. It only costs thirty five hundred dollars for a deck. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get new players when that's <laughs> the uh, proxy. Yep, pro proxy. We are one hundred percent pro proxy. Pro proxy Pro here. good proxy, too. Yeah, you don't I, just get to write a, you know, Tundra on a sticky note and slide it into a sleeve. Or just on a, take you an island. A basic, and yeah. You don't get to write Force of Will on your island. No. But yeah, print out some proxies, and I'm like, I couldn't be happier. If I can pay the full price for my deck, you can print off some decent-looking yeah. pictures. Um, but yeah, we've seen we've seen this these kind hey. of control decks quite a bit. We've got Wandering Emperor. Two Wandering yep. Emperors in the main board. We've got the Hole Breacher, Narset, and Days Undoing uh, interaction going on. One wow. shark typhoon. So two supreme verdicts is a big deal. Two supreme verdicts. Supreme verdict is main deckable again. Yeah. So well, I mean, again, when half your, when seventy percent of the meta is running mm-hmm. force of wills. I mean, not that we're opposed to that. Which, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we've had we've had some people throw some shade because we talk about force of will is and it's it's not force of will that's the problem, yeah. guys. It's a it's a litmus test to the the health of the format. <laughs> um. Yeah, you've got Blue Red Delver, which is just packing all the forces to stop you from killing the Murktide, and we haven't seen as much lately, but the other scary thing was 8-cast. Yeah. And 8-cast is, uh, it's one of those, like, once it gets going, obviously it's hard to beat it anyway, but sticking a Kappa Cannon here was almost game over for a lot of decks, because yep. it's just so hard to kill, and they run Forcible as well. Yep, so having a, basically having a, this, it's a little slower, but like, yeah, it's kind of there when you need it to. This is be. happening. And yeah. these types of decks are perfect at answer one for one, answer one for one, stay alive, let you overcome. Like, once you've cast your third removal spell, I now your opponent hopefully is feeling comfortable overcommitting to the board to finish this game out. Boom. Supreme Verdict. Get a nice three for yeah. one. Yeah, you really have to play that game because, like, if you just don't kill anything, the problem is they can, their threats are good enough. They only need two. Yeah. So, like, you have to force them to, like, get a couple things to stick and then try to, at, from, at least against Delver, your Supreme Verdict's probably only going to be a two-for-one. It might just be casting it to kill Murktide. Yep. Um, against Kappa, they do overcommit a lot. Yeah, they, they I mean, to. that's what the deck does. So, you're, you know, you have a mm-hmm. much better chance of, like, getting them 
against that deck if you can live long enough to do mm-hmm. it. But <clears throat> And then you have other splash damage, like things like elves, which you yeah. can catch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously it's not where you it's not the out you're looking for, but it can work. Um and then in second place we've got the deck I was talking about, where we've got a mono red prison. However you want to call this, Dragon Stompy, although Dragon Stompy doesn't make much sense anymore given that there's eight goblins in the deck. Call it Goblin Stompy. The, you saying it doesn't make sense anymore implies... Uh, that it ever did? That Dead Guy <laughs> Ale ever made sense. Like, legacy <laughs> names make sense. So, let's see if there's anything new over so the really, past couple weeks. This is like the taxi deck we're talking about. There's a, there's a very new card in here. I'll see if you find it. You will, but... Yeah, we'll there's Unlicensed Hearse. Yep. Yeah, I picked one of those up for Sarah as a gift. I bought a like extended art foil one because gotcha. she didn't know that card existed. Because my wife's a mortician, she thought it was really cool. She loves it. She's gonna frame it. Yeah, it's a cool card. Yep, this is a this is the card that a lot of people uh, correctly called seeing play in Legacy and maybe Pine or uh, Modern, just because it's good on board graveyard hate in a in a meta where controlling the graveyard is very strong. And then it becomes a brutal beater later. Yeah. Well, and the important thing here is like this card's not particularly good against the fast graveyard decks like Reanimator. Mm-mm. It's too slow. But we're not losing to those right now. Correct. They're not. They're not the ones that are the problem. The problem uh, decks are like the lands ones with Life from the Loam. Yep. Obviously, you've got Murktide Region in there. Yep. Mulch. Eight mulch. mulch. Like those are the kind of decks that just accrue an insurmountable advantage if mm-hmm. you just let their graveyard do their thing. Yeah. But the problem is almost every single one of those, except for like eight mulch, can really pivot to a plan B pretty well if you commit too strongly in the graveyard hate yep. stuff. Like you don't want to be siding in Leyline of the Void against Blue Red Delver. Mm-mm. Rest in peace is okay. It's kind of funny. I've uh, people are. That's that's it's that's a main that's a main but, solution. Well right that's now. well that's the problem. That's that's like mm-hmm. you need some sort of answer to it, but like Leyline of the Void is a horrible card mm-hmm. against Blue Red Delver. Like if you don't get that in turn one, you're never gonna cast it. Oh, no. Whereas like Rest in Peace doesn't need to be in your opening hand to be yep. good. And you can kind of get them every now and then too. Yep. Like and Leyline of the Void is just like I, I know this because I play elves and that's that's basically our only hope is Leyline of the Void. If you're trying to mulligan down to getting a ley line of, vo- of the void against yeah. Delver, you're already losing. You should ch- you should try this unlicensed hearse. This is like uh, think about how much better this is than Relic of Progenitus. Yep. Now it is twice as much mana, but Relic, oh, it's, it's, it's just much it, better. <laughs> it's so much better because I, I was thinking about that, like how it hit like two. So Relic of Progenitus, you know, you they exile a card they choose. Yeah. And then you can pay one and pop it and exile. Everything. Everything. Do you draw a card off that too? Yeah. So that's do, when it cycles. You do get the card back out of it. But unlicensed hearse, a two mana vehicle, you can tap it to exile two target cards out of a single graveyard, which is crazy good because that's mm-hmm. that will keep up with a Delver deck because relicking them once a turn is good to like slow them down. It'll kind of keep them where they're at though. But it You're won't not stop gaining them. any. They, yeah. I mean, well, it's absolutely reasonable. They'll, they'll just double spell a few turns. Well, yeah, I mean, at best, you're breaking even with Yes, them. whereas this, they have to triple spell a couple turns to start netting cards in the yard. Or, obviously, they're using their DRC to help, but, like, two is so much more than one when you're eggs on those cards. And then later, it becomes a crew two huge thing because yeah. it's, it's power and toughness or star star. And it's just the it's equal to the number of cards exiled with it. So you know yep. if you go turn two, play this exile two, exile two, exile two, crew a six six. Yep, so, strong, very good. It's two mana, and that does suck. But this well, is such a this is the this is the perfect deck for it. Ancient two. Oh yeah, hearse. Mm-hmm. 
Go. Now, obviously, you don't want to do that on turn one as opposed to like a chalice or something like yeah. that. But when you're running a bunch of these soul lands, it costing two means it basically well, costs one. And you can turn two it through days. Yeah. Strong. Yep. So very cool card. Uh, there's uh, another new card in here. Uh, there's Well, there's the Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I've seen that a couple times. I don't remember if it was in the like last month's prisons. I didn't see it. Yeah, oh, not it, at all. It's it's been floating around. There's there's basically two red sagas that kind of see a little bit of play in a couple different decks. Um, they're like this one's good. We'll just go over it since you brought it up. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, two uh, generic mana and one red. Uh, it's a saga. Uh, page one, create a two-two goblin shaman creature with whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. Uh, page two, you may discard up to two cards if you do draw that many cards. That's very good. And then page three, flip it, and it becomes a two-two goblin shaman enchantment creature with pay one, tap it, create a token that's a copy of another non-legendary creature you control, except it has haste, sacrifice at the beginning of the next 10 step. Yep. So One thing that is relevant with these is it does exile to flip. Yeah. So you can't use it the turn it flips, yeah. which kind of sucks. Yeah. But, yeah, it becomes a bad kiki-jiki. You have to pay one and tap it to do it. But the first two abilities are pretty strong. Making a 2-2 that can ramp you and or block. And then getting to loot 2 is pretty good. And then, obviously, when you... When, that's, like, the, the real payday is, first of all, flipping it and then untapping with it. Yeah. That's a lot to ask. But if it does happen, like... Well, look at, Fury look at the, is the big one. Fury is a huge payoff, but your other goblins are also oh, yeah. very solid. Even if you're just making a Rabble Master or a Legion Warboss. Yep. Like, so strong. Yeah, that's a really cool to see. I mean, we got a full seven cards in here that were printed in the last two sets. Yep. Pretty and, cool. And it, not, none of them are crazy broken. Oh, well, and Ahsoka's in, so eight. Yeah, and we we didn't really talk about it, but there also is Den of the Bugbear. Oh, yep. So that's adventure, uh, Adventures of in the Forgotten Realms. Mm -hmm. There's um, a lot of new cards in this set. Yeah. Or so, in this deck. Yeah, there's... This is, this is the deck I've been thinking about running, just because like, I, I hadn't looked at the challenge yet, but I was talking to Matt before we started, like... I'm thinking about tooling around some leagues and just running legit Stompy and just try and slam Chalice on turn one and then back it up with some crazy threats and try and take advantage of this horribly inbred uh, cantrip meta. Yeah. So that seems to be... Um, not, to, not to mention when, when half the decks are running Pyroblast. Right. In the main sometimes. <laughs> I know. They're like, well, good luck, bud. Good luck. Uh, but that's kind of what we what I talked about previously is there's just... there's. Delver, the problem is Delver's beatable, and people do use that as an excuse as to why there shouldn't be a ban for it in that deck. But that argument always rings hollow to me when, like, the counter argument is so what you're saying is we all need the, the meta needs to be Delver yeah. or decks that beat Delver. That's yeah. a problem. When, when Delver is so good that all you do is play Delver or a deck that can beat yeah. it. And we're not at that level yet, but that's the way it was for a while in the Ragavan era, especially. Um, Next oh, up, Honorog. Yep, we got Honorog with uh, four color control. <clears throat> this is pretty much the deck he's been playing mm -hmm. almost every time we see him on this, in the top eight. He's this is been the playing no black, this. The no black four color list he's been really pioneering lately. Yep, two ti uh, timeless dragons. Mm -hmm. Exciting. We've got Ur our Yorion, so it's Yorion deck. Uh, DRCs doesn't surprise me, but it's new to this type of list. It is. So. <clears throat> This isn't the list that would normally take advantage of it as well, but it does help you. I mean, any card that makes your cantrips the best cards in Legacy better, it's probably good, and it helps fuel Uro so yeah, well. Yeah, that's and it's just a solid threat. Yeah, a three, like, three, three in the air. It's and it's not when when you've got like uh, life from the loam and whatnot. It's not hard to turn her on. Mm -mm. So like she's good. She 
you got a ton of spells. I mean, there's 34 spells in the deck. Again, it's an 80 card deck, but like there's a ton of stuff to get <laughs> surveils on. Two Supreme Verdict and one Terminus. Yep. This deck is just to have your cake and eat it too. It's if you had told me the only deck running Terminus would look like this a couple years ago, I would have just laughed in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and there'd only be one of them. Still running Cephalid Coliseum. Yep, I just saw yep, Cephalid Coliseum. With we do Narset. have the Narset in the main. Pretty cool. Four. So yeah. Congratulations, Anurag. Hey, Vela Summer's making a comeback in uh Legacy. I wonder I'm see, I always make that like mental just like a little mental mistake where I only consider Veil of Summer when you're talking about black cards. It does do one other thing really yeah, well. Yeah, it hits the other 70% of it the It does. Meta. But it's just like... And it cycles really well too. Like one of the, the floor of Veil of Summer... Is it cycles for one. Is it cycles for one. At least yeah. the, the, the decks you're going to bring it in against, it'll always at least cycle. Yeah. So you, yeah. if you get in a top deck war, it's quite often a redraw. Yep. Uh, fourth place, we've got Doomsday. And this is not the... Murktide list. Nope. So no this Merktide. is a little bit closer to the classical. It is an ideas list. unbound list. It is. So hooray! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard for me to look at these lists and like pull. It. I know that ideas unbound is a very common flex slot in and out. Yeah. There's a lot of these things. Unfortunately, I don't uh, know enough other than to say it's a really cool doomsday list. Yep. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to see if there's anything I haven't seen before. No, doesn't look like anything. No major changes. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth place. Blue Red Delver, mm-hmm. uh, got Snapcaster Mages. So this looks like they're trying to do that thing we talked about a couple weeks ago, where it's slightly less aggressive, slightly more, slightly grindier. Yep. Like, still fundamentally the same deck. That's interesting, though. Just the, yeah, you're cutting four Delvers for two Snapcasters, and then presumably two additional spells. Yeah. Some more removal. Well, and to me, that oh, no, just... predicts. I just I can't believe I forgot I just missed so long that predict combos with DRC so well. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Well the the big thing with me is like this list, I don't want to spend too long on this because blue right over. But this list just screams to me the strength of Merktide. Like you're talking like you're not killing anybody with Snapcaster Mage. Let's no. let's be real here. Well yeah, you're not playing Grixis. DRC is good, but in and of itself isn't enough to close out most games, Not especially when everyone is prepared to play you running your full suite. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what this screams to me is Merktide's enough. Yep. So, let, you look know. at that sideboard. Two, 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 one. Pretty. It's just that, like... I've been... He's got Price of Progress in the side. I've mm-hmm. been wondering where that's been. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. We don't, we don't dig into sideboards as much. I've seen it a few times. But I just like that like the idea like a Delver deck can find any two of in its deck consistently. So it's like I don't need to run more than two answers to your deck. Yep. Cuz I'll I'll find it. Well, and especially when you've got four main deck answers to almost any card. Yeah. Of course will. Um there's six, an eight, eight cast list. Yep. Sixth place we've got eight cast. Uh only two Kappa Cannoneers. So everybody can kind of calm down there. <laughs> no, that card's broken. We need to ban it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Card is good. Oh, yep. This is again another Chalice of the Void list. Yep. My my Void Rens did get worse as eight cast got worse. Yep. I really <laughs> I I didn't spec on them, but I really was high on Void Ren because Kappa Cannoneer was such a prevalent threat, and uh, it has eight cast has definitely died down in the in the most recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like there's anything too spicy. Nope. This looks relatively standard. standard. But the spiciest thing is just cutting a Kappa Cannoneer. Yep. Normally you have three or four of those in. Seventh place, we've got another Jeskai control list, and it looks 
pretty similar to the winning list. We've got one dress down um, in the main and then only one wandering emperor. Yep. So some, some flexibility here and there. And... Yep. Got a pyroblast in the main, like fundamentally the same list, just, you know, picking a couple cards, only one Supreme Verdict, but still a Supreme Verdict. So we got three decks in the yep. top eight with Supreme Verdict. Picking up a dress down. Like there, yeah, yeah, just some, some interesting slots here and there to, to shore up some specific matches. Anything cool on the side that we haven't seen? Doesn't look like it. Mm -mm. And then rounding out the top eight, we've got another red prison deck. Very similar to the first one. Yeah. This, you... I mean, the, the the main looks almost identical. Did we have four Simeon Spirit Guide? I believe it did. Because that's that's pretty yeah, okay. fundamental to the deck. Yeah. I don't know why my brain uh, pulled that out. It was weird. But yeah, yeah that almost gives you your identical. turn one Blood Moons. Oh yeah, yep, duh. Yeah, because we have six. We have six Blood Moons. Yeah, and the well, and this whole deck is designed about around doing that. Like it's redundancy upon redundancy. So you've got you know Chrome Mox and Simeon Spirit Guide and just a Mountain make your turn one Chalice. You've got the Soul Lands and like there's so mm -hmm. many different ways to just get two mana on even, turn. Even sticking a turn one Fable is probably not bad. So turn one no. Fable, you get. A, I mean, it's obviously probably the worst thing to be doing. But making a two-two that's going to ramp you on turn two, probably not bad. Yeah. Obviously, the, what you want to do is turn one Trinisphere. But yeah, we turn don't one Trinisphere, get, turn one Chalice. We don't always get what we want. Yeah, I rarely get what I want. <laughs> um, doesn't look like there's anything super spicy in the sideboard. Nope. Mm -mm. So yeah, that's our top eight. What's our meta game look like though? Uh, doesn't look too bad. We've got twenty-two, effectively twenty-two percent, seven of the top. 32 are listed as other. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I do want to talk, want to, would like to start doing, and it's not going to happen every week, but instead of spending a bunch of time complaining about Delver, I just want to scan and see if we can find anything spicy that makes the top 32. Uh, so I'll just give that a quick once over. I see, it is worth noticing this whole, like this 22 others, like I, MTG Goldfish is really bad about naming decks and recognizing decks. Like, we have three of these mono-red uh, Dragon Stompy decks that, you know, four months ago were labeled correctly and were identified as Dragon Stompy, and now they're just this hodgepodge um, red deck that, like, literally is a below a burn deck that's labeled burn, yeah. but now is being contributing to that seven unnameable decks. So, it's a good example of what's going on. Um, so, next up, after the other category, is... Uh, Jeskai Control with 18%, 18.75. Then we've got Blue Red Delver with only three of the top 32. So yep. thank God for that. Those Chalice of the Voids are doing work. Yep. Delver done a 10% in the top yep. eight. I think everyone would sleep easier if that was a pretty consistent thing. So pack your, pack your Chalice of the Void, guys. Like, yeah. this is proof that it works. Mm -hmm. Like, you may not win. There's three Chalice of the Void decks in the top eight. Like There is also 19% of the meta, though, was that Jeskai Control. It Prismatic is. ending deck, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's your weak point. Yep. But You're not going to beat everything. Because, like, so if you pivot to a different deck, then Delver's probably going to beat you, mm -hmm. which is an even greater percentage of the meta on average. So, you know, play whatever you want, but keep it in mind that Delver's beatable, at least until it gets, you know, Wizards comes and cleans it up a little bit. Um, Don't worry, Matt. They are keeping a close eye on the format in the coming months. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, eight cast with three and blue uh, zenith with three, doomsday with two, elves with two, and uh, mono green cloud post with two. And then, I mean, there's only four more: one four color control, one burn, one storm, and one sneak and show. So, it's nice to actually have 
a little bit of diversity going on. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more in there. Those others, like those others, probably constitute. Well, three of them are red prison. Yeah, we probably there's probably like three or four, like three unique decks inside that other category. So yep. we, yeah, this week was like shockingly good looking in terms of a metagame summary. Absolutely, which is why Wizards will not ban anything because clearly it's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> Just don't look at Saturday for God's sake. Don't look at Saturday. Yeah, I wouldn't waste your time there. Uh, most played cards. This will come as no surprise. It's almost the same thing every week. Slightly different this week. Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, and Prismatic Ending. So there's your, I mean, that's your control list. Force of Will, 70% of the top 32. Yeah. Uh, top creatures. Now this one is new. Well, not new, but unusual. Snapcaster Mage was the most played creature in this uh, top 32. Again, that's your control lists and a couple other things like the slower Delvered lists. Mm -hmm. uh, DRC, Fury, there's your prison decks. Merktide Regent, duh. And then Simeon Spirit Guide, there's that's your prison decks. That's quite the shift in uh, Creature Suite. Yep. It's a good sign. Yeah, it is. Uh, Force of Will, Top Spells, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, Prismatic Ending, same thing. Like to point out, Chalice of the Void, 10th most played card in our most... Tenth most played spell in yeah. this top thirty-two. Yeah, twenty-two percent of the decks. So one fifth of the decks running Chalice in the top thirty-two, and just indicates there was a huge percentage of people running Chalice in the tournament. And you have Delver, like, yeah, Delver has to get hated out, and it has to get specifically hated out. And just going through it, like we talked about, looks like the only thing. This is probably lands. Um, the only thing I found that. We've seen it before, but it hasn't popped up for a while, is uh, Grixis Control. So we've got Baleful Strix, Furies, uh, Narsets, Jace in the main, the typical kind of blue soup kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Then we've got Culligan's Command, uh, Sudden Edict, which is very good. Yeah. I've been thinking about, I've been brewing up that uh, Esper Mentor deck, mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to replace uh, some of my removal spells. I might, I'm thinking about replacing the Baleful Strixes with Sudden Edicts and just turning that Baleful Strix cantrip, because the Baleful Strix is meant to be a cantrip that kills a thing, and just so often they don't. Yeah. Sudden Edict will kill a thing for sure. Yeah. And pairing that with Swords of Plowshares and Prismatic Ending, it'll probably pretty often kill what you need to kill. Uh, so we got the Culligan's Command and a Prismari Command. Um, that's one we've seen in these lists, but we haven't really seen mm -hmm. Prismari Command anywhere else. It got a lot of attention when it got uh, spoiled, just because it was so close to K Command. Yeah. And... Well, it's a it's a blue K command. Yes, so it's like, very close. That's something that everybody should be like, oh, pump I, the brakes. Let's see if this is any good. I have played it quite a bit in historic on Arena, and the card is very strong. Yeah, it's I mean it is like K command. It's very often a two for one. Yep, three mana is just probably too much for Legacy these days. But it is a two for one pretty much every single time in terms of it almost always kills a thing and kills an artifact or makes you something or makes a mana. Yeah, I mean to. Kill a creature, make a kill a Delver, make a mana. Yep. Oof, that's strong. Well, and at that point, it costs two mana. Or, yeah, effectively. Effectively, or it pays for days the rest of the game. Um, and then we've got a Hitetsugu consumes all. So mm -hmm. that card's not dead. It's just this deck isn't seeing a ton of play. Nope. Um, I, I'm not surprised. Like people were talking about Hitetsugu and how it's going to revive Grixis and bring it back. And while it may make Grixis not a joke, I Hitetsugu consumes all just isn't good enough to bring any deck off the brink of existence or yeah. brink of death. Like. The card's good, and the card does a lot, and it doesn't do nearly enough to float a deck. Like, th on turn three, you're removing their one mana or less permanence. The things yeah. they played one or two turns ago, yeah, that might be good, I guess. I feel bad when I prismatic ending their vial on turn three. Right. Because they've, already, they've gotten already gotten a couple uses One out of or two creatures off of it. Yep. 
Uh, oddly enough, the Hidetsuka would get the vial and the first creature they vialed in, so that's something they're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah it doesn't target. Exiling all graveyards is okay, but turn three, probably too slow. Yeah. Well, Oftentimes. It's it's, it's, it's doing it's, a bad hearse. Rep. The, the thing, it's either too slow or too fast. Yeah. Because like t- turn three, I can play around it and I can power out. If I know it's there, so games two and three, I can play around it. and Or I'll just sandbag and I'll, I'll, I'll push that envelope to where either you have to cra- you have to do it and I know about a turn in advance because it's going to happen next turn yeah. so I get to see it coming and then I'll just I'll just I'll just uh pull you along until I'm ready to go off and oh you didn't use it darn or you'll crack it too early and then I'll dump into my graveyard I'll start double and triple spelling yeah strong card and the the, the back this 3/3 three, three with trample that doesn't even come in with haste gets huge and is a win con is strong but Dies to everything. Yep. Dies to bolt. Dies to prism. I mean, every deck that runs prismatic ending can run it for three. Dies to plow. Yeah, well, and that's prismatic ending. To be perfectly honest, is the reason why I wouldn't play this deck. Yeah, not because of prismatic ending being being good against this deck, but that's what you're giving up when you're playing Grixis as opposed to Jeskai. You're giving up prismatic ending mm-hmm. along with swords to plowshares. Yeah, like those are the two best removal spells in the format, and you're replacing them with. Lightning Bolt and Sudden Edict. Yep. Fundamentally, that's the change that's happening. You're getting worse Planeswalkers, worse removal. Yeah. So, I just, it's I never you never never fall <clears throat> for the like dies to Bolt or dies to Doomblade argument because like every creature dies. But one thing I've been I've been bringing into my mental consideration while brewing for Legacy and just playing in Legacy, Legacy is becoming a creature format slash is a creature format that wasn't the case a year ago or two years ago or three. It, like they were obviously creature decks, but like. Legacy used to be a spell format. It was a combo format. It was a, a spell synergy format. That is not the case anymore. Um, Legacy is moving much closer to modern in the, this is a creature format. Like turn ones, two, and three, you're going to see real powerful creatures coming down. Like you're going to lose to a board full of creatures. Yeah. Case in point, we're seeing legit board reps come back into play. Yep. Well, and if one of the things you may or may not have noticed when we were reading the metagame summary We've got one Doomsday list. Elves, if you or so we got two Doomsday, two elves, if you want to count them. Two, uh, one Storm and one Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. So six combo decks of the top thirty-two among all yeah. archetypes. The, the Jeskai control decks are wishy-washy. Yeah, I count like I count them as a control deck. Having Days Undoing in there to me isn't yeah. enough to. But yeah, like Red Zone. We're winning in the Red Zone now, yeah. guys. And what that means is. It, it costs less to include extra removal in your deck. Yep. It used to be a severe cost to run Swords to Plowshares because you might, in your league, play against uh, Doomsday and uh, Epic Storm, and now you have eight cards that have no text. And that just doesn't happen as often anymore. You're running up against more creatures because the creatures of the last year or so have been so pushed. Yep. Yeah, you just can't get around them anymore, So, mm-hmm. which is... Not a good thing for magic in general, in my opinion, but whatever. I'd like it to see more balanced. I don't know. It's, it's, cause like, was it better when it was all spells? Well, don't, I'm eh. not saying the balance of creatures and spells being, oh, just, just, just how, how, how pushed, pushed they the are. creatures oh, yeah, of are. Of course, of course. Like, there's a reason that modern and legacy are both running almost all the same creatures. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of modern, yep. Ready to hop over? Sure I am. All righty. Pop into the modern metagame. We'll hit Sunday. Uh, just as a quick teaser. We're going to put all of Pioneer into the post-show Patreon special this week. We actually have an interesting topic, Matt, and I feel kind of strongly about. So, Modern on Sunday. Bringing it home, McCaffoulet. Wow, I can say McCaffoulet just fine, but I can't say Romarito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
McCaffrey brings it home with Jeskai Control in first place. So, Snapcasters. Wow, this looks familiar. <laughs> shush. We did Legacy. It's my turn. I know. This looks exactly like Legacy. Yep. Snapcaster Solitude. Teferi, the Wandering Emperor. <laughs> Power creep's not real, guys. It's hey. all in my head. Hey, you do have five fairy in this one. Oh. And then you have some worse count some worse counter spells, some worse cantrips, and some worse removal. And, and some s- of the same removal. And Supreme Verdict and Prismatic Ending. And dressed. Yeah, this is almost I <laughs> know the almost the same deck, but it's very similar. These decks are doing very similar things, and they're working on very similar axes. Uh nothing particularly interesting in this like i don't think i haven't seen like new capena cards in this particular list even in the sideboard but yeah that's kind of funny this is uh legacy and modern converging they converged on murktide regent and now they're converging on jeskai control yeah speaking of murktide regent oh look second place is it with four ragavan four drc four murktide one priest That's the borrower. exact list from Legacy. If you just yeah, yeah pre yeah pre ban that's yep, and you could just you could just replace those dr those uh ragavans with delvers delvers, and that's the exact creature suite. And then you've got considers bolts, pierces, heats, counterspell, iteration archmage's charm, just cantrips and counterspells, baby. No problems here, guys. Nothing fundamentally oh, wrong with design. Awesome. Four Mistress Bobble. Every format should look the same. The funny thing is, if you port this over to Pioneer, you get the exact same list with slightly different threats. <laughs> yep. You get a little bit worse threats and a little bit worse cantrips and yep. a little bit worse counterspells. Ugh. That's awesome. Third place. This is not a nope. legacy deck. Four Color Living End. This is the deck we've seen been popping up. It's one of those things that's your that's your traditional indicator. Graveyard Hate's going down. So, uh, well, Graveyard Hate and Chalice in general are going down. So your Cascade and your Living Index go up. Did you notice what the uh, control deck had in the sideboard? Uh, which Two one? Chalice of the Voids. Yes, the I did guy see who, that. The winner. Yep. Yep. And that's, I'm sure, it, we don't know who played who, but you could theorize that that might have helped in the uh, semifinals. Yep. To bump Four Color Living in. Or, yes, because first and second was the finals, and then anyone in third third and fourth would have been the They should have lost to the people in first. Exactly. So yeah, that could have easily have been the deciding factor. We don't know that though. Um, Colossal Sky Turtle is the only new things we usually see in these. For Grief is become standard. The Subtlety. Subtlety are the ones that are kind of fl- plopping in and out. A little wishy-washy. Yep, I don't see any subtleties in here. Uh, but other than that, this looks like exactly what we expect to see. I don't see anything. Subtleties in the side. I don't see anything weird here. So then fourth place, which I'm excited to talk about, Jeskai Stoneblade. Yeah, this list is this is very, very much what I love to see. I, I, I love Stoneforge Mystic, and I love getting to play with all the fun things that gets you. And especially now with Kamigawa and this crazy power creep we've seen on artifacts and uh, equipment more specifically, you get access to so much more. And I, I actually brushed over. This is also an Oswald Fiddlebender list. So you have the power of Stoneforge Mystic tutoring out various uh, powerful equipments and then Oswald Fiddlebender turning or basically birthing potting artifacts into very toolboxy artifacts. So you have things like Esper Sentinel, Hope of Gear per Rabbit Battery. Uh, Goblin Engineers is obviously a crazy busted card for a deck like this, but Lion Sash. Uh, Brea's Apprentice, which is a great one to bounce in and out to be creating uh, Thopters and I think Sacrifice a Draw card, don't you? 
you sacrifice it, uh, exile the top card of your library till end of turn. You may play that card. Yep. So not quite draw, but Sorry, you can sacrifice an artifact. Yeah. So you can sacrifice artifacts. You can bounce them back. You can also be bouncing it back and forth to be making Thopters a sacrifice and then a crackdown construct. I think. Oh, I can't remember how it works, but I've is it with crackdown construct? It go. I think this deck can go infinite with a couple things. Uh, when I watched Spike playing it, you know, two three months ago, there was an infinite combo in it where you could assemble in like turn four, make infinite power, and win. Gotcha. And then just tons of artifacts to again work your way through with the Oswald Fiddlebender. So you're very very um, toolboxy with answers for stuff. So things like, oh, Halo Fountain, I didn't see that. So Halo Fountain is a new Capena card where you can, I guess the only ones that are really relevant are going to be pay a white, or it's two and a white to cast, and then you pay a white, tap it, untap a creature, create a 1-1, one, one. so that allows you to get double Oswald activations, which is pretty cool, and then you can pay two and tap it, untap two creatures, and draw a card. So I could see both of those being semi-relevant, but the ability to double up on Oswald's pretty sweet there. That's a really good um, synergy that I did. I kind of missed out on. Like, mm-hmm. I forgot that Oswald was a really powerful deck in Pioneer or Pioneer in Modern. But things like you have the Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry combo, uh, things like Springleaf Drum and uh, Pyrite Spell Bomb, Pithing Needle, all kinds of crazy like really toolboxy stuff in this deck. Yeah, Fiddlebenders are really like a big crowd favorite, and it's cool to see it kind of make a comeback with. One new toy that probably didn't really help with that much, but just some cool stuff. Yep. And then I don't know if I can't remember if you mentioned it or not. This is like an Urza Saga list. So, like, that's mm-hmm. fundamental. So, you've got the Goblin, um, you got Oswald Fiddlebender, you've got Stoneforge Mystic, and you've got Urza Saga working in conjunction to get out something like uh, Thopter Foundry, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, oh, and yeah. Sword of the Meek. Engineer also. Yep. Yep tutoring cards in your graveyard but giving you access to them yeah yeah very tutor heavy deck that's cool which is why you've got a ton of one ofs yes it's because yeah, you're you're not relying on drawing anything you need you'll go get it you draw your tutors and go find what you want even the sideboard tons of one ofs with like a single void mirror a single ratchet bomb a single dampening sphere unlicensed hearse a single unlicensed hearse the uh with graveyard hate being on the down low I've seen a lot of a couple of reanimator decks making waves in modern as well lately because mm-hmm. it's just there's there's it's a good time for them if you're if you're trying to slam an archon of cruelty on turn three or turn four it's the time to be doing it fifth place is it control four ragavan three murktide regent and four of this new card we've seen making real waves ledger shredder so this is the card that no one saw coming as best I can tell like almost nobody caught this uh, us included so one in a blue for a one three flying. Whenever a player casts their second spell each turn, you connive. It connives, which means you would draw a card, discard a card, and if you discard a non-land, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Yeah. This card has quickly jumped from being like a 95 cent card to like a 10 or $11 card, which is crazy because it's a rare and an in-print set, and it's going to be a very popular set because this is the, because this is the last set before rotation. That mm-hmm. means they're going to be making these boxes for the next like three months. And it's going to be the only new thing to buy for yeah. three months. So I don't think this is going to hold at $10. I've heard both. People are saying they're going to go up to fifteen twenty. People are, and I of the, I shouldn't say heard both. I've heard people saying they'll go to fifteen I'm of the opinion this will, this probably isn't even worth $10. Yeah. It, so I don't think it has, this is something we talked about, but I mean, we brought it up here, so we might as well talk about it here too. I personally don't think this card has legs in legacy at all. 
Um, I it's good in modern. I think it's questionable in modern. I think the problem is it's new in modern, and it's the it's clearly good enough to try out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you look at this, it's running a deck that's running Ragavan and Murktide, and like we're talking about incredibly powerful cards. It does help fill that DRC slot where you are filtering cards into your graveyard. The selection is really strong. But I agree. I think it's good in modern. I think it might be okay in legacy. Um, it it's one of those things. It dies to everything. Now it does pitch to force in both formats, which is relevant. But it dies to pretty much everything in legacy. It dies to all the removal, even bolt when it comes down. Although it it can dodge a bolt pretty quickly. And then in modern, especially, it dies to fatal push, yeah. which is which is top tier premier removal. On top of lightning bolt. On top of uh, unholy heat. On top of all kinds of stuff. I think personally, I would rather have DRC in yeah. that slot. I think people are overestimating the ability to regularly double spell. Uh, you're going to do that a few times a game for sure. But like, if you're double spelling very many times, you're going to quickly run out of cards. Now it does let you uh, filter lands away, which is good. It'll help fill, help stop flood. Like the card is good, and the card has some legs in my opinion. But I. Matt brought up the uh, the opinion earlier, and I agree that it's like it's the new hotness, it's a new toy, and it's a very good new toy in that it's new and g- people are playing with it a lot. And I don't think it'll stay there. Yeah. So could be wrong. Now I could see it in Pioneer, mm-hmm. where you still have a bunch of these cantrips and whatnot, but you don't have the quite as good of a threat. You don't have DRC. You don't have Ragavan or Murktide. So I think this will fit really well into the Phoenix decks in Pioneer. I now, could... it's it's fighting for that Thing in the Ice slot, but a lot of those decks aren't even running Thing in the Ice. Yeah. And I think that would be especially, this would be especially good in those decks. Yeah, there's there's a couple different types of like blue-red decks floating mm-hmm. around. I mean, there's like, there's blue-red control, which just uses, typically speaking, just uses like Thing in the Ice. Yep. Then there's Phoenix. There's, mm-hmm. Then there's burn. Basically, is it burn? There's yeah. The, well, there's their their prowess. Decks. Oh yeah, it'd be more of a prowess deck. Yeah. So like, I could definitely see in Pioneer where just the the threshold for a, a like the power level overall power level is a little lower. Mm-hmm. And because he's very, this is a good card. I'm not trying to just yeah. like knock that. The problem is it's fighting against amazing cards. Yeah, it's fighting against some of the most broken cards that have ever been printed. In especially like the direct comparison is DRC in my book, mm-hmm. and I think I'd rather have DRC most times. Yeah, it's it definitely hits harder in the late game if you have it for a long time. Uh, it provides less value. Well, it has than to D- live that long though, because like does. if you play it in the late game in a top deck war, nobody's you're not going to yeah. be conniving. No, yeah, no one's conniving. It does uh, it does grow, which is relevant. Um. And looting is definitely better than surveilling, a hundred percent. Yep. Because you can obviously you, no, can you take, get the choice to keep the card. Well, and you get to, like you, you get, get to, to dish stuff out of your hand, dish like crap. Yeah. So like yeah, the the cards the card is good. Whether it's good in the venue of modern and legacy is very different. And right now it is. People are all all over it. Um, I will say that I undervalued it just outright when I first saw it. So I, I definitely missed it in that aspect, but I don't think I ever would have called it to be like like the breakout card, a $10 rare yeah. in a set that's been out for a week or two. But I'm, I'm eager to see what happens to it. I could totally be wrong. This card could be dominating every format in the next six months, be in, be in all kinds of decks, be super common, and be 30 bucks, and I'll be the worst for it. I would be shocked if it was 30 bucks. I'd be willing to place a bet that it probably won't be. 
Speaking of bets. Yeah, I know. I thought <laughs> so here's the deal, because I've been thinking about that. I wholeheartedly think that uh what's the card called? In too deep. Yeah, in too deep had the chance to uh be a card, but uh it's been completely hidden behind something like Ledger Shredder. Like now like I think there was a chance people were gonna play with it and test it, and there's just no chance now. Like they're gonna spend the next I, I have lost that bet. The bet was made and I've lost it. Um, which I think I get a month. Yep, I you got we, a month. We, we were gonna give it. We were gonna give it. We'll have to listen exactly when. I but. think we were gonna let the set sit for like three weeks, Something and like then that. give it a month because we wanted we wanted to avoid the testing. I yeah. don't want you know you, you didn't want to count someone just testing two of them to see what, and they happened to top eight. But uh, I I feel confident I've lost just because I pegged that as like the one card people are gonna be interested in testing and playing with. People are gonna spend the next month and a half testing Ledger Shredder, and it's not gonna occur to anybody to test. Uh, in too deep, unless I can take it to the top, th- the top sixteen of a challenge. So I will lose that bet for sure, um, having missed Ledger Shredder completely. One planeswalker, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yep. Hey, we're we're five cards deep into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got uh, a pretty traditional swell spell suite for is it with like yeah. counterspell, heat, pierce, bolt, consider that stuff. Yep. Uh, nothing else interesting in here other than I said the Ledger Shredders, uh, unless unlicensed hearse also in the side. Yep. That card. That. That kind of piqued my interest when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something where I was like, like I didn't, I did not think it would see this much play. But right I was like, that's you. a decent card. Like to be perfectly honest, I also looked at Ledger Shredder and was like, that I basically put them approximately the same. Where I was like, huh, got you, and then kind of was like, move along. Yep. Like I, I did not think double spelling. I didn't think people would lean this hard into double spelling multiple times in a row. Because you just think about it, like none of these cards are netting cards. Double spelling is just going down on cards in hand, and what that usually means is now it's it's you need to play in decks that this works for, but you're committing to the board, yeah. and overcommitting to the board is going to be a great way to get blown out. In Shredder's defense, that one of the best things about it is you only need to have it hit once, and then it's bolt proof. That is true. And Whereas so in, in, in these Legacy. Decks, like bolts around mm-hmm. but the primary removal spells are swords and prismatic ending which this will never dodge the problem with ledger spider is the primary removal in modern is on holy heat that's true the uh some some of the shadow decks are still running bolt because yeah. it's good to be able to bolt yourself yeah like bolt still sees play yes but, but like like both formats in general have kind of moved to unholy heat as their like premier one red removal yeah and you're quite a ways from dodging that yeah unfortunately listen good card I missed it entirely. Matt was much closer on it than I was. Unlicensed Hearse was similar. I actually I misread uh, the way Power and Toughness worked on it. I did I I didn't think it ever became like an eight eight. I thought it like just like stayed at like a. I thought it would like stay at like a two two or a four yeah, four. I didn't I didn't I just my brain just didn't put together that it will grow exponentially. And so every turn you're hitting a couple things and just making it big. Yeah, and I don't want to over overstate my position on either one of those cards. At no point did I think they'd see like serious play, mm-hmm. especially the hearse, but they both were honestly out of the cards. There was uh mob Nixilis. Yep. Which I think every would, everyone was just like, Oh my God, this card's busted. And standard. It definitely is. Yep. And then I had like shredder and the hearse were just cu- a couple cards. Where I was like, yep. that's a cool card. That's a well-designed card. It could see some play. And then that just kind of moved along. The two that I called that aren't seeing much play at all is what was that? Uh, blue black draw two discard one at instant speed i remember 
it, it's I like, don't remember it, the name of it. I remember ta- us talking about it's it. It's a martini glass. It's like two martini glasses and one of them. Yeah. It's, it's not thirst for knowledge, but it's something. That's an old card, yeah. Yeah, it's something. But it's it costs one to blue. It's an instant. You draw two, discard one, unless you have uh, five mana values in your graveyard, mm-hmm. which happens very rarely. I thought an instant speed draw two, discard one was good. I've seen it be. I've seen it in some play in modern. Yeah, because well, we'd actually talked about you running that as opposed to faithful mending yes, in your reanimator deck. Exactly, exactly. And the other one I called was Voidrend. Uh, I thought Voidrend was going to have legs in probably Legacy, just because it is three mana, and it would it would need to be what created the Esper decks. But it is the answer we've been looking for for these top end threats that are just un killable yeah you have things like murktide regent that blank half of your removal they have a cash spell for the other half um things like uh what's the kappa cannoneer that is just so hard to remove costing four extra and they can often counter that one you don't get a chance to cast a second one you're dead or it's yep. not enough to kill you um yeah i was and, I, i'm right there with you with void run i don't think It'll, to I, me, I, it's just a matter of whether or not black is good yeah. enough to be played. Voidrend puts another card in that column. Yep. I don't, I don't think it's good enough on its own to make in Legacy's current situation. Yeah. It's not enough. But as soon as black becomes, as soon as you pivot from Jeskai to Esper, mm-hmm. that card sees play. Yeah, in good. my opinion. And I maintain, I think it was, it'll be like a two of. Yeah, I never it, thought it'd be a full four of. Well, if you think about it, of. I mean, spending three mana, especially at instant speed, for a removal spell for a control deck, I mean, that's just prismatic ending. You yeah. spend three mana to remove stuff all the time. Yep. And yes, it's not quite as flexible or as fast as prismatic ending, but it also has a much better top end. It's exactly as flexible. Well, I meant as far as mana. So yeah. like you yeah. can't you. It'll like, never cost one. It'll never cost one. It'll never cost two. It's not nearly as good in that regard in the early game oddly but enough it, it is just as hard to cast color wise yeah yep. <laughs> oddly enough and, well and that's what that to me it compares very favorable with prismatic ending mm-hmm. like i could see it being prismatic endings five and six in an esper control yeah. list and it's just whether or not esper is good enough to get on my soapbox everyone saw that card and talked about how it's too expensive you can't play that so I want people to remember one of the reasons you can't play three mana spells in Legacy is because of days. Right. That's because everything costs one more. That's and why one drops cost is two. It's totally unaffected by days. Two drops cost three. We play tons of two drops because they cost three. This costs three, but it can't be countered. Yeah. So keep in mind that like you 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 have to you have to add one mana to every spell because Delver is so prevalent. And I get that's true. That's why you 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 discount most three drops because they're just not good enough. This isn't a three drop, while it does cost three mana, but you can play it for three through days. And that's why it's, in my opinion, even possible. Well, and that's the thing is you're not using this to kill DRC. No. That's what your swords and your prismatic endings are for. It's a two of, a one or two of, because it kills Murktai. It kills the big threats that Mm. your other removal spells are at a huge disadvantage against. What it also kills, it kills the three fairy. That is locking your force of wills in your hand. Mm -hmm. It kills... The it kills the Trinisphere that is locking you out of the game. It kills these things that you just cannot get through. But yeah. we'll see. Is it we'll see. It's always not seeing play now, for sure. And it may never because black just might not have the legs it needs to to support something like that. But um It's I, always fighting against Pyroblast. Yeah. That's the problem but with Esper or Jeskai mm-hmm. is Pyroblast. Yeah, it is hard. And yeah. Sorry guys. Uh sixth place. <laughs> <laughs> We do have burn back, which is really cool to see. We haven't seen a burn deck, I don't think, since Luris got banned, have we seen a burn in the top it's eight. It's been a while. And this is a Boros burn. I think we did, because I, I couldn't remember Boros. But if we have, it was like one. Yeah. 
whereas Boros used to be a mainstay in the top eight. But Boros Burn is back. Uh, Goblin Guides, Swift Spears, Eidolons. Uh, we don't have the other one. Soulscar Mage is usually iffy in this or not. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised to see the Soulscar Mage gone. Uh, but we're just picking up more burn spells, and so yeah. interesting choice to just, just to go more face. I it's hard for me. I, I'm trying to think like how I like what I would say about that. But I just don't know the decks like super yeah. well to know like where the cutoff on there is. Like, do you put more face? Do you put more creatures? I don't know. Well, this, the, you kind of have to pick a a lane in that regard. So like Soulscar Mage, you usually see in the like mono red prowess lists a little bit more um this is the traditional burn list these 12 creatures this is what i used to run mm, maybe i'm just um, wrong no well there there's a the venn diagram is like yeah it, it's very close like the mono red prowess and burn are very similar lists but um this one looks pretty much just like it's burn uh the ensnaring bridge is cute yeah i, was, I just saw that i was like that's interesting Interesting. Yeah. To, and, uh, uh, and there's an, there's three ensnaring bridge in the side. Yeah. Just so we can tell everybody. So yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So three bridge in the side. Um, I'm guessing that's gonna be there for Merktide and Titan. Yeah. Well, the big thing what that does is it creates a scenario where you can you can still damage them. You just go to the face every time. Yeah, that's true. And so you you know you're you get them that you get them down to six, slam them ensnaring bridge, and we're in a top deck war. And yep. It doesn't matter what you top deck. I'm gonna be top decking. Yep. <laughs> Like I've like, got twenty eight burn spells. I just right need here. to hit skull crack and rift bolt, and we're good. Right. So it buys you a ton of time where you can still dome them. True. 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 That's probably the most interesting card is that side well, it, it goes. It's also very good against decks that go really big. Mm-hmm. So you get like living end if you can get that out before yeah. living end and well, like empty your hand. Like yeah, living end. Even things like the uh, the elemental decks where mm-hmm. you're like you got these four fours and three threes and and three twos. Yeah, one like, four four against. You you yeah, just you're done. Yeah. Well, you're done All attacking. Your are, yeah, you're done attacking. Yeah. Uh, seventh place is another Merktide Regent list. This is the same uh, Ragavan DRC Merktide. The same spell suite, pretty much. We lost the Brazen Borrower. Ooh. Oh. But I feel like we've had this exact same conversation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the same deck, but there's one card different. Well, where does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty much the same deck we saw before. Uh, I didn't look. Is there anything in the sideboard that's particularly interesting while you take a peek at it real quick doesn't look like it cool and then eighth place was a crashing footfalls list uh the list that we see pretty much every every week or every two weeks for crashing footfalls nothing new nothing we haven't seen before the you get a little bit of flexibility here with how many like of the uh pitch spell elementals you want yep stuff like that but fundamentally the deck is still the same yep make rhinos punch with rhinos all righty Metagame summary. Merktide Regent bringing in 15.5%. That's a pretty good amount. I love seeing that. Burn with 15.5% mm-hmm. at 5. The Burn players just showed up this week. Hammer Time with 3 decks at 9.5%. Uh, Blue-Red control that. that that uh, The the Blue-Red decks that aren't Merktide. Yeah. Bringing in uh, 2 decks. Crashing Footfalls with 2 decks. Calibrated Blast with 2 decks. Yeah. Yeah. Affinity and Ammo Titan also at 2 decks. I got to see Calibrated Blast be uh, played on a stream, uh, mm-hmm. played against on a stream, and we were wrong in that fighting for that last little bit of damage is easier than we thought. Gotcha. Obviously, the guy won a challenge, like, duh, but, like, just, it was, um, I watched, uh, I, think it was, I think I was watching Spike, Aspiring Spike play, and it was a real clencher moment for, like, three turns in a row, just, like, he, it's pretty, they pulled out turn three pretty quickly. Obviously, it's one of those things you probably mulligan to. Yeah. And then you're in a tough spot as a as the opponent where like you're sitting at like um I think he got him game one 
Because without uh, he did the he fetch shock that shock yep. and I think it killed and then him. He just killed him because you one. just aren't you're not playing around that sixteen number. Yep. And then games two and three he was able to win, but it's re like between the the fa- uh, was it factories? Yeah, he's got like Mishra's factory. Yeah, between the factories and the flashback, it's actually really scary. Uh, it's scarier than I thought it would be because I thought it'd be like oh no you yeah you dumped me for fifteen I'm at six you're kind of fucked. And like, cause you're, it's all face up now. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, it was actually much scarier. And it was, there was a lot more like tight decisions that had to be made on attacking versus blocking and playing around the factory, playing around a second factory to pump the first. Yeah. You've got the factories, you've got some, uh, deserts to deal some damage. Yes, yeah. The, the land that you can pitch for two one ones, which uh, those, you know, it's not a big deal, but when you only have well, to do two or three yeah. damage, a I mean, couple one ones can get that, the job done. It's that easy, like at the end of your turn. Yep. After you swung out, because it's you have to put a clock on these guys yeah. when you're when, when you're playing against calibrated blast, you have to you have to put a clock on them because once they've done it, once they've done it once, presumably every top deck is live, so you have to kill them. They if they dome you for fifteen on turn three and they're sitting at like eighteen, that's terrifying. Yeah, you have to do something. You have to kill them quick. Um, most played cards: Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration, Mystical Dispute, and Mishra's Bobble. Lightning Bolt, fifty percent of decks. It's getting up there. We should probably look at banning that. <laughs> right. Top creatures: <laughs> Ragavan, Merktide Regent, DRC, Esper Sentinel, Monastery Swift Spear. Notice how the entire Hammer Time package is gone out of all of that. There's one. There's Stoneforge Mystic at nine. That's the only yeah. thing. I guess Esper Sentinel was in that package as well, but like that, those Esper Sentinels are not there for Hammer Time. Yeah. And then top spells, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mystical Dispute, Mistress Bubble, and Unholy Heat. Alrighty. So like I said, we're going to push Pioneer entirely into the... Um, At least as far as the uh, top eight goes. The top eight, the Patreon discussion. And we are going to talk about... Our discussion will be... It's inspired by Pioneer, for sure. And there has been a lot of talk about banning decks in Pioneer, especially. And it got me thinking on like banning philosophy. And so I've heard other podcasts and I will not call out anyone in specific because there's no reason to start shit with people. Uh, we have differing opinions. That's all that matters. Several people have come out and said that one Winota probably needs banned out of Pioneer. And then Hidden Strings needs banned out of Pioneer in that order. Uh, I've heard a lot of disdain for both of these decks in the like general theater of Pioneer, both on Twitter, on streams, on podcasts. And it makes me really upset that, like, this is a general consensus we're seeing that we should be banning these decks when I don't see a reason why they need to be banned from a numbers perspective. Like, the closest comparison you could draw would be something like Oko and Legacy, where they technically banned Oko when the win rates didn't really support it. And maybe something like Luris, where they technically banned Luris and the play rates probably didn't support it. But with both of those decks, we were talking about, like, borderline stuff. And, like, like Luris was in, like, 23% of decks. Oko was, like, winning, like, 55 56% of the time. Whereas if we go to MTG Goldfish, Winota is 13 or 14% of the meta on a given day. And Hidden Strings is, like, 55 Yeah. So the argument I hear to ban these cards is commonly... Uh, they suck to play against. They're very good cards, they're very strong decks, and they suck to play against. And I guess that's true, but I don't care. Um, maybe you'll disagree with me. I know you don't, but it's a good setup. But when I go to a tournament, when I go to a 5K, I don't give a shit how much fun you're having, opponent. And like, if you don't like me playing Hidden Strings, concede. Yeah. 
the um the idea that individual games of magic are always going to be fun for both players just needs to die um there are things in, in a competitive setting in a competitive setting yes and that's what it, that's what we're talking about within the yeah. context. If we're talking about Pioneer, basically almost any format that has a name, yeah, you're talking about competitive settings. Legacy, Modern, even Vintage, yeah, Pioneer, Explorer, well, Standard. These are competitive formats when you're talking about tournament play. So you can make the argument to me that like, if you and I played as the kitchen table, we played Pioneer, but we just like to bash decks against each other, and I fucking hate it when you play Hidden Strings, right. then yeah, we can address that. But when you're talking about Pioneer, you're talking about the competitive format of Pioneer. You're talking about the 1Ks, the 5Ks, the Pro Tour. Yes. The second biggest tournament of the year. No, Matt, your fun is not my priority. Right. We're here to play a competitive game. Yeah. And we're here to, like, the format as a whole should be fun. Yeah. But fun formats can very easily and often do include unfun strategies. Yeah. For example, Legacy, what we're talking about is how crappy it is when Blue Red Delver takes over the format. Those Blue Red Delver games can be a lot of fun. They're very engaging, right? Mm -hmm. But when the entire format is Blue Red Delver, it's kind of boring. Yeah. So what do you need? You need Chalice to do that. Playing against Chalice freaking sucks. Yeah. If you are in if you're a deck that's weak to Chalice and you just fold to that, it's a horrible time. You're mm -hmm. stuck there. Sometimes they don't even have a quick clock. You're trying to draw to an out that you maybe have one or two of, and you just sit there and do nothing, right? Yeah. That's a horrible game of magic. That doesn't mean the deck shouldn't exist in the format, and that doesn't mean the format as a whole is worse off because yeah. of it. If you're looking at banning Chalice, you need a better reason than... I don't I, like playing against it. Yes. And that's what they're... like. I get... So Winota is right now saying at like 13 14%. I get the deck is really good and it's really resilient because it has... Um, there's a, it, it has these really powerful creatures that just punch you so hard that you have to kill them. But you also can't let Winota survive because Winota comes down and immediately your creatures attack and she swarms the board and can win the game. And so you have this weird mid-range deck that has, with a combo finish. Where have I heard that before? It's... <laughs> but it's 14% of the meta, which tells me that it isn't unbeatable or even, I mean, it's the best, but it's not like the crazy best because no. you know, you know what happened if it was the best, best, best deck, that number would be like 20, 25, 30. You'd look at top eights of challenges and you'd see, I don't know, like eight of them or 10 of them, or sorry, not top eights, top 32s. Yeah. In the top eight, you'd see like three or four in the top eight. And you're consistently. not consistently that's the thing. Cause that's the thing. Like I, I've been looking at pioneers since before we started talking about it on the podcast. And this is something we've talked about a couple times, but like they're week to week. There is not a clear best deck like statistically. Now more people may be playing Winota, but that doesn't mean anything for all we know. She's just super fun to play. Looking at the list, it looks like it would be yeah. fun to play. You're just windmill slamming creatures off the top. They come in for free and they're already attacking. That's, a hell of a lot of fun yeah. to be doing. It may yep. not be fun to be playing against, but it's a lot of fun to be and doing. I think that's what this boils down to is like these decks aren't fun to play against. I play hidden strings. I've seen it online and in person. I sit down against my opponent. I tell them what I'm playing at like our local card shop and they're like, ugh. And it's like, yeah, I know it kind of sucks to play against hidden strings, but there's two problems here. A one, I enjoy playing hidden strings. It's fun for me. So it's a wash. And two, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have to care about your fun. We're playing this is like this is a competitive format we're playing for. Like we don't we're not like paying in yet. Yeah. We're practicing for competitive formats. 
So, like, I get that you don't like playing against my deck, and I'm sorry, but I don't like playing against Thoughtseize. Can we ban that, too? Right. I I don't like playing against Chalice. I don't like playing against Counterspell. I don't like... What I'm saying is every single person could hop on here and say there's a tons and tons of things they don't like playing against. Um, the guy that runs the league on Mondays hates playing against Tron. He hates playing against Tron in Modern. He's glad it exists because like it's a good deck and it should be this, but... Do we just do we start banning Tron lands? Like, how many people have to hate Tron before we ban the Tron lands? Right. Because apparently a lot of people hate Winota, even though it's not oppressively good. No, and it's... we want to ban it. Now, uh, this is there is some context that uh, there is also some more talk for Explorer, and I'm a little more in favor of banning it in Explorer because you've taken basically a full fledged Pioneer deck that ported perfectly onto Arena. And is playing against Havzi's decks. Yeah. Well, and the, but I'm talking about pioneer, like real pioneer. Even in that case, you still have to justify whether or not, like, on the numbers, is it yeah. worth banning? So I just pulled up the Explorer meta, and okay, there's not any tournaments here, so there won't be. On, well, I didn't know if MTG Goldfish would just gather them. Like, well, I, I don't think any exist because it's it's on Arena only. Gotcha. I don't. They don't. They don't host anything like that. They haven't done any actual Explorer tournaments yet. I don't believe so. Gotcha. It's only it's only been live for like two weeks. Okay. Fair enough. But like, until you have data, because yeah. for all we know, the Explorer, and, and it's going to be, the Explorer meta is going to be different than a Pioneer Infinite. meta. We don't need to preemptively ban anything that's not already banned in Pioneer. Yeah. Like, just let that figure Which, out. The thing is, like Arena, they have perfect data because it's, it's been two weeks. There have been 10,000 games of Explorer played and they have every piece of data. It's there. Yep. So if they decide it needs to be banned, it needs to be banned. But as far as Pioneer goes, we have access to relatively good data. And like, I, you, you can't convince me that anything on this front page, 13.5%, 11%, 10%, 8%, needs to be banned on what power level or prevalence? Right. And on top of that, week to week, I've been looking at these top eights. They're different. Like just bringing up this week's, and this is, I don't want to, we're not going to discuss it or anything because that's going to be the Patreon yeah. stuff. We've got, 10 different decks combined between Saturday and Sunday in the top eight. Yeah. Like, so that'd be 16 slots. Yeah, 16 slots. There's 10 different decks. And that's in that's if you don't count stuff like blue-red control, thing in the ice, uh, prowess, or um, phoenix as mm -hmm. different decks. Like stuff like that where they're the same colors. Yeah. This is just looking at the most basic overview yeah. where you go... Just the color pairs. Like, yeah, I just don't understand... This like, is something we've talked about, but like I don't get why to, anyone is talking about banning anything in this format. And like there are people like like legitimately pioneering huh, for bannings for and I just there's I don't, no reason for no it. No numbers that I'm seeing back this up at all. The Saturday challenge, the most played deck, it is Winota. There's four copies in the top thirty two. Yeah. So we're looking at like what? That's like eight percent. It's twelve and a half. Twelve, 12 sorry, twelve and a half percent. Yeah, it's the next one is Rakdos Midrange with four copies. Yeah. And then there's a three and then a and bunch so, of twos. Like, and... What this boils down to is I get these decks are unfun to play against. And I guess I get that. But they're so you've got Winota at like uh, twelve and a half percent. So one in eight matches, you're gonna play against a deck you don't like playing against. I'm sorry. Oh uh, shit. Um <laughs> hidden strings running at like five ish percent. So one in 20 matches, you have a game you hate. We have to ban it? Right. That's, and remember, guys, when I talk about banning, I'm not talking about the fun I'm losing. You're taking money out of my pocket and your store owner's pocket and other players' pockets. Well, and again, how many, like, this is 
we hinted at it earlier in the show. This makes me not want to buy into Pioneer. It like, makes it hard to. What? Like, this exact thing happened on Monday. The dude I was playing against, he was playing Phoenix, and he was like, I think I'm going to build Winota. And I had to be like, you probably shouldn't, dude, because they might ban Winota right. in a month. Like, I'm sitting here going, I want to play this format, and my biggest consideration is whether or not my deck's going to be legal in six yeah. months. Because people can't, and this, the funny thing is, and I know we're going to hear about this, because every week we talk about Abandoned Legacy. There, Blue Red Delver has been crapping on that format for almost a year now. I think over, but yeah. It depends on where you define exactly sure. what crapping on it means, but like it's been the best deck since Expressive Iteration came out, and it's been tier zero since uh, Modern Horizons 2. So like, there's, I don't know, I don't remember exactly. Well, that strict statement before, Modern Horizons 1 was a pretty good bump to it. Yeah, especially. but even but, then, it, yeah, yes, it wasn't... Yeah. For a very long time. Yes, it Strixhaven, basically stepped up. Minimum so Strixhaven is a great example of like when the deck got a level up. Yes, that was very clearly... like It went from Tier 1 to... Or from, uh, in my opinion, one of the Tier 1s to the deck with Expressive Iteration, which was Strixhaven, and then Modern Horizons 2 pushed it way far ahead. Mm -hmm. Now, with Modern Horizons 1, it was still... Like blue red Delver was still around, but that there was a lot of muddled stuff with like Oko and yeah, there's a lot true. of stuff going on at the at that time. That's true. Like blue red Delver came out as the deck around a year ago, and it's been crapping on the format since then. And there's been data point after data point, yeah. and tournament after tournament, and it's thirty percent of the meta. These are difference. There's a huge difference yeah. in kind here between talking about a format which. Boardline almost died last year uh -huh. and wasn't firing tournaments and a super like active format. Yeah. Like, let me, let me be very clear. If Winota was 26% of the meta and we're talking about bands, you've got my ear. If I check this, let's say, let's say next week, Winota jumps to 23%, 26%, 22%, 28%. And it holds that for the next like month or two. Maybe we should look at banning a card out of that deck because that's definitely that's really hindering deck diversity in Pioneer. Not thirteen. No, Not especially 12. when the next best deck is eleven. What you're talking about there is preference. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's what you're talking. When you're talking about a percentage or two, you're just talking about what people like to play. Yeah, and it's and on top of like just this is um this is made up of what forty six decks. I'm sure there's no accounting errors. I'm sure there's no missed names. I'm sure that, like. That is such a tiny sample size. You look at this meta is made up of, well, like, so we, you can actually backwards figure it pretty easily. So you've got 46 decks, makes up 13%. You're looking at like 550 decks total we're pulling from. Mm -hmm. so, you're, so 500 instances, that's not a crazy big number, people. That's not, that isn't a like, that isn't a huge sample size. That's a, no. that's a large sample size, but it's not huge. And that number will change next week. Yeah, the it was well, it was the same thing that got Luris banned, and for better or worse, he's gone. But like, I think Luris is a girl. Whatever, I don't really care. It's a cat. It's definitely I a demon cat. Could not care less <laughs> <laughs> about that. <laughs> the um, it's the attitude of all anyone wants to talk about is bands in a format, and it's going. It's really starting to hurt formats. Yeah, like. It really is making me hesitant to pull the... We're talking about other... If you're not playing mono blue spirits, you're talking about dropping $500 on uh -huh. a deck to play Pioneer. Yeah, I mean, looking at these, so we've got like 350 and then a monocolor deck for 300 and then 
450, 550, 460, 512. And the thing is, it's not even just Winota and Hidden Strings. I've heard Winota, something from Hidden Strings, so probably Lotus Field or Thespian Stage, depending on what they pull. Because like, well, that just destroys the deck. I know. That's the but problem. Like if we're just functioning on the let's just yeah, so sure. something out of that deck, we just pick a card. Um, I've heard mono green. I've heard people complain about mono green, which to be fair there, you might be talking about something like Elvish Mystic that hits both Elvish Mystic or Land of Elves. You're talking about, um, I've heard people complain about Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, Uh um, Temporal Trespass. Like there's, this meta is about as diverse as it's ever going to get. And people are talking about between five and ten cards that need to go. Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And just and just absolutely z- no numbers to back this up. Right. And uh, so if you're not going to have numbers to back it up, you need to. Ha- I don't know. You need to have an argument to convince me the card should be banned. And I don't. Without numbers, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to convince me well, that people the are going is, to complain and complain yeah, and, that's, and complain we've until always, something gets banned. Magic players have always complained about things. Well, the problem is we have like content creators in general like backing it up. And I think it's here's the genuine problem. It's content creators expressing their genuine opinion. And it's totally fair that your genuine opinion yep. is you hate playing against hidden strings. But it just adds more weight to a movement that is gonna and it, it, it's wrong. I there's I have no idea what the solution to that is because obviously you can't tell content. Stop telling us what you think. I mean, we're doing it right now. Yes, but I just I wish I, people need to understand that like it's okay to complain and bitch about Winota and how you got curb stomped because that deck is kind of bullshit sometimes. But guys, it's fourteen percent of the meta. It's we'll round up. We'll round a we'll round up healthily to fifteen, and like it's it's that's not bannable yet. That's not oppressive. That's not format warping yet. No, yeah. and again, we don't have anything demonstrating that it's act like even if you said fifteen percent was bannable, because like in Legacy, oh, twelve or thirteen percent is where decks started to get banned with like Grixis Delver or Miracles. Um, the fact of the matter is there's no evidence at all that says its win rate's too high. Like there's none at all. Yeah. Like the the top eights and its top thirty twos do not indicate that it has a like that's Again, that's what data we have, yeah. but that does not indicate a bannable yeah. win rate and in so the least. The argument that, uh, my argument immediately that it doesn't have a bannable win rate is everyone's not playing it. Because well, a deck that has a bannable win rate is a very high value deck in terms of playing like on uh, challenges. And so you play it because you have a high yep. chance of making money, which would show you that the the win percentage is probably pretty good. And well, this, none of people are playing it. There, There's some wiggle room in there. Like, there's uh no, obviously I'm there's right. place well you're not wrong <laughs> it's just there's like i said there's wiggle room so there's play style for example there's difficult uh difficulty of deck so like we've talked about it multiple times where like elves storm and doomsday mm-hmm. are all hard decks to play if you can become a master at them they probably have what would we would consider a bannable win rate but they're so hard to play yeah that most people don't play them and they never get to that goal you have that real barrier to entry right there's there's different reasons why deck could have a bannable win rate in theory, but not have an oppressive presence mm-hmm. in the format. This doesn't seem to have either. <laughs> like, no. I mean, like, I'm not gonna say Winota is like super easy to play. No, it's a it's a it's a good deck among good decks. Yeah. It might even be a better deck among slightly worse decks. Yeah. But we're not talking about anything remotely. You know what deck is hard to play? Hidden string. There's a <laughs> right. lot of thinking. 
Well, I mean, you're not wrong. Four, eight, 12 omniscience. You had to think about your lines a lot. Yeah. Like people really underestimate. I mean, I even do it with like Sneak and Show and Legacy where I'm like, haha, you're oh, playing. Yeah. Where it's like, no, these these still are Legacy yeah. decks and they're still very hard to. I, I We navigate. always throw shade at anyone who plays it. Oh, just dragging your knuckles through the mud. Yeah. Well, there's a reason I don't play Sneak and Show, guys. Right. Because I get my butt kicked when I do it. It's, it's Yeah, it's you have to be a skilled pilot in any deck you play in any format. If you're going to be, you have to be a skilled pilot to do good. Well, you're playing against presumably other skilled pilots, yes. but um, that like that's our like little fifteen twenty minute soapbox on like guys, I just, or and ladies and everyone. There's I don't know why we're talking about banning these decks when there's no good reason to. What this screams to me is a lot of people have gotten burned on either Arena or on uh, MTGO by this deck, and they hate it, and they hear other people hating it, and no one looks at any data. And they just go, yeah, I don't like that deck either. Fuck Winota. I'm, I'm curious. You said burn, and that just made me think of burnout. And I'm curious if there's just not like burnout going like the way we play Magic now. What it used to be was me and you play. We play a few games a week, and then we go play Friday Night Magic. Yeah. And the only people who were playing hundreds of games a week were legitimate grinders and yeah. pro tour players like pro and whatnot. Pro tour grinders. And I guess MTGO grinders were a thing. But. Yeah, but like but that was all kind of involved. I'm curious if it's just not like I've always said this, like the fourth hour of magic in a non competitive setting, I really start to lose interest in yeah, it. Yeah, I get you. Like there. I'm curious if a lot of this just doesn't boil down to burnout I, and playing too much. I think a big part of it is the 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 premier way people play magic these days the number one way is Commander. Commander is very expressly um, geared towards fun. Yep. And so that, by that by that dint, most of the arguments we just made don't apply to Commander. Yeah. I don't think Commander should have a ban list anyway because you should handle that in-house, but the arguments we just made about how you ban cards don't really apply to Commander because a Commander is made for fun. There's not a competitive scene. Well, there are people play competitive EDH, but like that's not what Commander exists for. When I sit down to play Commander with Matt and my wife and our friend, the point is to have some fun. And so like your deck choice does matter a little bit more. And that's the goal. Yeah. Like my, your fun is my responsibility. A little commander bit. Game. Yeah. Like, oh, it absolutely I, is. I, I care about it. And like, when we're playing, there are times I won't play poorly, but like sometimes I won't fuck Matt over because it's, it's fine. Have a little bit of fun. Right. Like I'm not gonna let you win, but have a little fun, do a thing. And that's the way people play magic. Uh, Wizards has shown us on mass, like the vast majority. And I don't know if it's, um, what I wonder is, is it a bunch of people that love to play Commander and they're coming into the competitive scene and they have this entitlement that they deserve a fun, engaging game every time. Yeah. And you don't. You're going to have games where you curb stomp your opponent and you're going to have games where they curb stomp you. And if you're John fucking Finkel, you'll win 59% of your matches. Right. Well, the... You're definitely not wrong. I don't know if EDH is the root cause of it or EDH is like related or whatever, but there's definitely that sense of entitlement. And you can tell that with like the mulligan rules changing and stuff like that, where it's just like we have to remove non games. We have to remove non games. We have to card design in general changes where like we don't want cards that, you know, if you kill them, you don't get anything out of it because it feels bad to remove feel bads. Everything draws a card because it's what's worse than getting to the end of the game and no one has cards in their hand. Yeah. And then you do this and then eventually you run out of mechanical ways you can tune that. And eventually it just boils down to your players 
like you need a little bit of grit to play magic. You're going to have game. That's what I mean. Like if you're talking, you need to understand the best players in the world lose at least 30% of their games. Yeah. Like if you're talking about That's a 60 what, to 70% win rate, you're going to lose one and three yeah. being the best guy yeah. in the world. And I guarantee if you go win 70% of your matches for two tournaments in a row, you're going to be investigated for cheating. Right. Because it's just be. ridiculous. Because you just, like that's, and I, I, everyone listening, I do it all the time, but we forget, guys, you're supposed to win if you're good 55% of your matches. 56% of your matches, that's what you're supposed to win. On MTGO, you can go infinite winning like, I think Saffron Olive said you can go infinite winning like 48% of your matches. Yeah. Guys, that's half. You're supposed to lose half your matches. And you go on heaters where you win eight in a row. And then you go on benders where you lose three or four in a row. I was playing last night and I I actually got in a great spot against the Azorius, or it was the Mono Blue Spirits deck. I had a mold of four, which kind of sucks, but I actually clawed my way back and then drew eight lands in a row. <laughs> got back into the game and, and watched then her still lost it. Watched her just go, you know, hit me for one four times in a row and then make it two, then six and kill me. Yep. And like that happens and that's a huge feel bad. But it's that that's part of magic. That doesn't mean it's you ban of, blue red or blue fairies. It's part of competitive magic yeah. where like you just have games where you walk away and go, Buck, I just got bent over a barrel. <laughs> Again, kind of what I was saying, if you're getting to that point, like if the first thought in your head is I lost to that and it should be banned, you should probably be done for the night. Yeah. Take a break. You need a break. Because like that's not the attitude that A is good for the game as a whole, B is good for any particular format, and C is not going to help you win more games. Mm -mm. Like you need to, like if your excuse for every loss is that deck is too good, it needs to be banned. You're not figuring out how to win. Like you should look at every loss as a chance to figure out why you lost and what you could have been done yep. better. I guarantee you, the people listening to this podcast or almost any podcast have never played a perfect game of Magic. Yep. I haven't. I guarantee you, I've never played a st- like a perfect game oh, of Magic. I've, I think I've played some. I've played some perfect games where my I, opponent, where my opponent went City of Traders, Lotus Petal, Emrakul. Sure. Yeah, but like when you yeah I, yeah you didn't, idea, you didn't you, make all the right choices. Your Winota's beating you. If your instinct is to ban, like you want to ban it, it's beating you because you you need to get better at magic. Yeah. Well, you got unlucky, or like like there's there's both here. Like you're gonna have well, games where you get unlucky, but, but I mean like, like consistently, or the, you could have a bad matchup. Like I, I have a good example of this. Um, we started uh, one of the people that plays on Monday with us. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but he. He bought uh, a Phoenix deck. No thing in the S, but he bought a Phoenix deck. And the first day we played, I think he dropped like eight games. Right. Like he didn't win a single game all night. And he was really frustrated at the end of the night because he like because he was talking like this is supposed to be one of the best decks in the format. People go, people win ten matches in a row with this deck. And we were all talking to him. Was like, first of all, we get it, dude. We've been there. But it's like, how how often you had how long have you had the deck? And he's like, I just bought it, you know, last week. And it's like, yeah, you're not playing right yet. You're probably mulliganing wrong. You're probably sequencing wrong. It's not the deck's fault. It, I don't mean to be rude. It's yours. Correct. That's part of learning to be a pilot, but it's not Winota's fault, and it's not Phoenix's fault. It's yours because you aren't playing it right. Well, and here's the what I was kind of getting at is if your instinct is to blame your opponent and say they're playing a broken deck, you're not you're not looking at ways you can improve. Yeah. You're you're blinded to what you've done wrong, and you've because. You're like, this is something that uh, I don't want to really get into it, but it's something that gets brought up a lot in like theological or theological debates. 
And if you think you have the answer, you stop looking for other answers. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you think the answer is Winota is a broken deck and I and it should be banned, you're not going to be looking for ways to beat it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that simple. And it's the same thing. Like if that's your attitude where you're approaching magic, where you're not looking, you're not looking at yourself or the way you played or did you, I mean, you, in theory, this is the other thing. Let's just say you played the perfect game of magic. You can still lose a hundred percent. Like yeah. your opponent might just have outplayed you or drew better or anything. None of those are reasons why a deck gets banned. Yeah. So like, stop talking about like banning everything in every format. Yeah. Be- because you don't like, because you don't it. like it. Yeah. Stop. You should stop. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm your friend. Well, I mean, a perfect example of this, again, even us, we talk about Blue Red Delver in Legacy, and then all it takes for people to, as far as like a, a tournament to look good, just play Red Prison. Mm-hmm. Now, enough yeah. people have to pray, play it in order to like significantly yeah. affect and, it. But like, there are still decks that beat Delver. Yeah. But at the very least, like, that's like, if you want to start talking about banning cards in a format or making format changes, show me the deck having. 60% non-mirror win rate or regularly 20 to 25% meta share. And right. now we can start talking about possible solutions. If you can't break 15% or now maybe Winota's win rate is 80% and we don't know. I highly doubt that. Yeah. But maybe maybe it has a bannable win rate and we don't know that. But if you're not going to show me a bannable win rate, if you're not going to show me a bannable meta share or at least either one of those numbers that prompts discussion for banning, then I'm not interested in talking about banning that yet. Right, because your argument is probably probably going to be something along the lines of "fucking suck to play against." Sorry, I would advise not going to Friday Night Magic. I'm going to borrow something from a Dark Souls player. Get good, scrub. <laughs> like, yeah, there are decks that people play that suck to play against. You think before Alasaur Shepherd, I liked sitting down with elves against Chalice of the Void. Yeah. My whole deck costs one. Yep. It's not just my cantrips. Everything yeah, costs that's the whole, one. That's the whole point. <laughs> cool. I can play Elvish Visionary. Yeah. Can we... Um, I would like to make a notion to ban in Legacy Sinkhole and Smallpox also because I hate losing to Pox. I mean, right. I don't give a, I know it's like 2% of the meta, but I really hate playing right. against it. It's really not fun. Well, I mean, the best example is Wasteland yeah, or I, Force of Will. Like, how many people complain about counterspells yeah. all the time, right? Well, Force of Will is probably the best one ever printed. Yep. Well... <laughs> Like we're gonna be here for two hours. They're unfun <laughs> cards. Yeah, they're plenty. They're all good yeah. for the format. It's not a reason to ban something because it's unfun. Yeah, this is. I I hate that we even have to have this conversation. It drives me nuts that every Reddit thread I open up is talking about banning something. It drives me nuts that I go on Reddit on any of them and like you look at the challenge and it's all oh I guess we got to ban this oh I guess what's well, it's. it's it's the banning discussions that are unsubstantiated. Yeah. That's what drives me crazy. Well, they almost all are. They, yeah, they almost all <laughs> That's are. That's the I problem. Saying, well, I wanna... Fundamentally, I think the problem, this all started with WoW. It all started with WoW, <laughs> and you weren't around for playing like really old school WoW. To be fair, I missed the boat on vanilla, but I played in Burning Crusade, and I played, I've been playing WoW on and off since Burning Crusade. All this started with being able to patch games and going, this build is broken, so we need to nerf it. Mm-hmm. Banning a card and like millions I, of people, it, it's that's that's the only thing Magic has that's equivalent to it is, well, this build is broken, so we yeah, need to we, nerf it. So we need to pick a card because we can't change them. To be fair, that's one of the things I actually liked about Wizards' philosophy with Historic. The idea of changing card or alchemy, the idea of changing yeah. cards 
instead of banning them, I think would be really good fundamentally for the game yeah. if we could do that. It doesn't work with paper. Yeah. But in like a, in a healthy economy, alchemy could be pretty cool. Right. And that's the thing is like all that started kind of back then. MMOs and game design, MMOs changed fundamentally game mm -hmm. design. And that's that's affected everything from like video games. I mean, you hear probably you've heard a million times in Overwatch. Oh, this character needs a nerf because this yeah. move does 3% too much damage or whatever. Yep. Like all that kind of stuff stems from fundamentally from WoW. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, WoW. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, we've gone on way too yeah. long on this, but it's something we feel very passionate about. Matt, as we close our episode today, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I'm sure there is, but I think we just need to kill it. All right, well, let's wrap this thing up. As I said before, and Matt helped me, proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's Podcast. Monday is your standard podcast. Wednesday is your live play commander. Discord.playingsoccerspodcast.com to join in that um, commander game. Jump into our Discord. We've got, I think we've got pretty much everyone in every format being represented now on the Discord as a whole between Pioneer, Modern, Standard, Legacy. No vintage yet, but we no one in the deck, no one in the channel owns a hundred thousand dollar deck. So nope. If you play vintage, swing on by. <laughs> Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, it's at cantripcartel. You can check out our Facebook, Cantrip Cartel. It's our Facebook group. And we also have an Instagram, just Cantrip Cartel on Instagram. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, if you want to support us, check us out on Patreon. Yes, uh, we also have Patreon. If you want to support us directly, patreon.com forward slash cantripcartel. And if that's everything, then I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So I'll untap. Um, I'll play a land. I'll cast Winota, and I'll attack with uh, four elves. Trigger, 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 trigger. Hmm. Seems fair. Probably should ban that. <laughs> Sorry you're not having fun, but I sure am. <laughs> <laughs>